This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's Countdown to 2021. Join this exclusive newsletter and free community of like-minded achievers who are committed to turning 2020's disappointments into 2021's greatest successes. Learn more at leadto.win slash countdown. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast designed to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're going to be talking about sort of, and it's going to sound esoteric and maybe a little philosophical, we're going to be talking about a model of the world. Now, why in the world is this important, Megan? (laughs) Well, that was a a very vague and big statement that you made. Um, Well, they're just are kind of two ways of seeing the world. One is really empowering and one is really disempowering. And the disempowering version looks like, hey, you know, things happen. And as a result of what happens, uh, you know, good stuff happens or bad stuff happens. And we're kind of not in the driver's seat in that world. And yet that is the default way of um, experiencing life. You know, that's a default way of uh, moving through the world. And yet there's a totally different option that is far more empowering and enables you to really design your life, as we talk about often on this podcast and in the rest of our work, that I think you guys need to be aware of. Okay. So let's start off by citing our sources. This is Mm -hmm. not original thinking with us. Right. This is at least in three different places that we found. It's just kind of in the general ethos of self-development and leadership but but most of what we, we've learned on this subject has come from one of three sources. Either Gap International, yep. which is a growth consulting firm that I employed at Thomas Nelson as I was going through the Great Recession. And Megan, you're involved in their coaching program yep. right now. Okay, so some of their thinking is based around this. Um, another pocket of this is in something called Neuro Linguistic Programming, NLP, that really talks about, it's kind of the science- of how your thinking impacts your results. Mm -hmm. And then another source, a final source, and somebody that's made it very practical is Brooke Castillo, who has a podcast called The Life Coach School, which is an outstanding podcast. But so I just just wanna make sure that we're giving credit where credit's due. And if you wanna explore these topics further or this topic that we're talking about, you can go to one or all of those sources. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let me just give you the big outline. And normally we kind of unpack these one at a time and don't give you the big outline. But here's how Brooke expresses it. And again, neuro-linguistic programming has a version of this. Gap has a version of it. But I like this particular version of it. I think Brooke nails it here. So she says, circumstances, that's number one, can trigger thoughts, that's number two, which cause our feelings, number three, which cause, number four, our actions, which cause, number five, our results. So one more time, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. Okay. Now these don't always happen in strict sequence, but this is pretty much if you, if you kind of deconstruct what led to the results you've got getting in your business or your life, back that up to the actions you took, the feelings you felt, the thoughts you thought, and maybe the circumstance that triggered it. So let's start with circumstances. Well, okay, so this is really funny because before we even get into this, I just have to say, most of us are walking around believing our thinking. But here's the problem. Our thinking is not factual. Our thinking is our brain's attempt 
to make meaning and sense out of what our circumstances are. Okay, so let's imagine that, um, you know, you launch a product and it doesn't go very well. You know, you sold like three of your courses and that's the circumstance. You, it's a factual circumstance because you can see those transactions happen. You can see the money in your bank account and, uh, you know, it's just, it's observable fact. Okay. However, then you start to have a thought based on that circumstance. And it might be, man, I am such a loser. Nobody cares about my expertise. Okay. That is not a fact. That's your interpretation or your story around what actually happened. Then as a result of saying, I'm a loser, nobody cares about my expertise, you're going to have feelings. Okay. You can kind of put yourself in this and mentally go along this little journey with us. Okay. What kind of feelings might you have? Well, shame, self-doubt, anxiety about the future, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're in that place, then what actions would you necessarily take? You might not take any. You might not take any. You might might quit. quit. You might quit. You might uh, stop that product launch before it's even over because you've already just determined that, you know, it's terrible and it's only going to get worse. And then as a result of those actions, what kind of outcome or results would you get? I mean, terrible, right? Like you're going to have terrible results. There's no scenario in which like the some kind of magical scenario comes in and at the last minute, you know, the trend line spikes up into the right um, and, you know, you're kind of delivered from all this. Instead, these things really create a chain reaction. It's very predictable. And if your thinking stinks, then your results are going to stink. What I've found as I've uh, really started using this model, and and as you said, Dad, the Gap International model is is slightly different, but but you know functionally the same. Um, is that most of us as leaders or as people who care about achievement, we really focus on our actions. You know, like ah, what actions do I need to take? You know, um, and then we wonder sometimes, well, why are my results not getting better? You know, why is my revenue not going up? Why am I not healthier? Why are my relationships not better? But the problem is, is that our thinking is constantly and sneakily sabotaging our actions. So we have this intention to take these actions that are maybe better actions. And we, we know, you know, we need to get up earlier. We need to work out. We need to go on dates with our spouse. We need to spend more time with our kids. We need to be more aggressive in our business. And yet somehow we keep doing the thing that we don't want to do that gets in the way of the results we want to get, even though we have a, an intention around an, a, an action that uh, we want to we wanna do. We just can't get ourselves to do it. The problem is in our thinking and the emotion that that creates. And that's the kind of go upstream to unpack, uh, you know, how do we how do we access better actions that we can actually follow through on that lead to better results? You know, another way to say this, and I actually said this to our business accelerator clients this past Monday, I get on a Zoom call with all of them on Monday. And I said, whatever results you're getting right now, there's a recipe that's producing that. Exactly. And that recipe is a thinking recipe by and large. Well, I mean, you could argue it either way. You know, it's it's the actions you're taking. It's the feelings you feel. It's the thinking you think. It's a mix of all that. And the only way to change the results is to change the mix, change the recipe. Mm-hmm. If you don't like the results you're getting now in your personal life or in your business, then you've got to change the recipe. And the best way to do that, the furthest you can swim upstream, so to speak, is your thinking. 
And and most of us, and and this again, to give to give credit where credit's due, this is an insight I got from Dan Sullivan. Dan said most of us think about what other people are thinking. Right. Right. Very few of us think about what we're thinking. We have little self-awareness about our own thinking. And Gap's premise for growth and breakthrough and Brooke's premise for how you take control of your life and how you begin to change the outcomes of your life is that you've got to address the thinking. You've got to become self-aware of your thinking. And, you know, I talk about this a lot inside of my book, Your Best Year Ever, where I talk about limiting beliefs. And I've got this great sign that's in my kitchen. Megan, you've seen it because you've been in my kitchen. Nick, you have too. And it said, Nick's our producer. And it says, um, don't believe everything you think. Right. I love that. I love that too. And, you know, we've talked a lot about on the show and and elsewhere how self-awareness is a leadership discipline, that you cannot be a great leader unless you develop self-awareness, you know, that you will inevitably have negative consequences if you don't cultivate that ability in yourself. Uh, I think we often think about self-awareness like emotional intelligence, you know, how do we come across to other people, what's the impact of the words we say and our communication, that kind of stuff. This is like an inside job component of that. It's it's similar and actually more powerful because the first step to using this kind of a model and really accessing the power of your thinking, which kind of sounds woo-woo, but I hope this model helps you see it's actually not. You're already doing this. You're just maybe doing it in an unpredictable or a predictably negative way. You can do this in a positive way. But the first step is to start to see your thinking as, first of all, see it, period, but then see it as being totally subjective. You know, if you think about you're thinking when a circumstance happens and that thought pops into your mind, just start noticing that. Notice the sentences in your head. What are they saying to you? You know, and I think what you'll start seeing, and maybe it's easier to do it for somebody else, is that it's completely arbitrary. It's rarely based on concrete facts. Um, Gap calls this files, you know, that something happens and those thoughts are like little file folders that we just start building on certain people or certain experiences. And before we know it, we've got files on all kinds of things, all kinds of people, ourselves, and what's possible and what's not possible. And those files, those thoughts are running the show in our life and we're not even conscious of it. So the first step is become conscious and start to notice it and ask yourself whether or not it's really true. Once you do that, you can start to ask if there's something else that you could believe that would be more empowering. And we're not talking, by the way, I mean, some people are into this. This is not our thing. We're not talking about like, you know, woo-woo affirmations and like, you know, just looking yourself in the mirror and saying things over and over again that would you'd be humiliated if anyone heard you say. We're not talking about that. We're talking about empowerment. What else could you think about that situation that would be more empowering? So for example, go back to my example of, you know, this product launch that sold three copies of your of your course and now you think, you know, you just might as well throw in the towel because you don't know anything. Well, what if you just thought, hmm, that's interesting. Maybe I have it priced too high. Or maybe I'm not appealing to the right audience and I could dial that in and fix this. You know, all of a sudden, now you're in control. Now that could be equally true, right? I mean, again, it's still just a story in your head. It's still just an interpretation of why the circumstance happened. But one is so much more empowering than the other. You know, one of the things I learned from Tony Robbins and also from NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, is that you're thinking in regard to circumstances, is an interpretation. Right. And so what happened, and your interpretation of what happened, 
are two different things. That's really the the thing that we're talking about here is to challenge your interpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, in most situations, you probably don't know. And, and I'll give you an example, uh, Megan, you're aware of the situation, but back in the early 90s, I had a client, a very prominent client who fired me. And, and man, it was a huge setback. And at the time, it was my biggest client. And it was enormously discouraging. I, I literally had suicidal thoughts. Mm. I, I thought about quitting the business. You know, I was, I was really hurt by the whole thing. Only to discover, like six months later, that I was caught in a dispute between this person and his spouse. And it really had nothing to do with me. Right. You thought, Nothing. this must mean I'm terrible. This must mean I'm incompetent. You know, no one's ever going to trust me. You know, like you had all these thoughts, which created all those emotions that you were just talking about. When in reality, like actual reality, facts, circumstances, was that there was a marital dispute that was not about the business at all. You just happened to be in the, you know, the crosshairs of it. Okay. So one of the things Bob Goff says on this point is what's the least creepy explanation. <laughs> it's kind and of so helpful because, to think of. I mean, I feel like we just come up with like the most far-fetched, dramatic, you know, self-flagellating explanations for what happens in our life, especially if you're given to anxiety or shame, which most of us are in some way, you know, um, it's just a real problem. It, it is. And, and so I like the least creepy test because what's a more rational or less catastrophic or less extravagant explanation for what's happening. Especially if you're interpreting a circumstance with someone else. Okay, so the classic example of this is, this is in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. We just I think I just gave this example a few episodes ago, but where he talks about a man being on a train and really annoyed yes. with this other man and his children because the children are out of control. They're screaming, they're running around the train, they're not behaving. And so finally, the first man is at his wit's end and he just goes to the to the second man and he says, would you please get control of your children? And the man is totally embarrassed. And he says, I am so sorry. We just came from their mother's funeral and they don't know what to do with themselves. You know, so like the, the creepy explanation is the guy sucks as a parent. Right. He's doing a horrible job. And and Megan, you've probably experienced this yourself because, you know, you've you've got children that are that are high needs and they've got you know, had had trauma in their background. Totally. And people make up all kinds of stuff about why they are the way they are. Yep. And it's, you know, being on the receiving end of that, of course, is really difficult. Um, But it's given me a lot more empathy for the kind of story you just told, because you just never know. You never know why somebody cut you off. You never know why somebody made that comment in the meeting. You never know why somebody looked at you that way across church. I mean, you just never know. And it's usually not about you. I mean, it's just usually not about you. So, you know, if we, if we take this kind of in a leadership context, and when we think about 2020, we talked about this a few episodes ago, I think, uh, you know, the circumstances are we have a global pandemic that has significant economic impact, at least for many sectors of the economy. And uh, we don't know when it's going to end. And it's significantly altering our habits and, you know, just the way we work, the way we live, right? Those are the facts. What we tell ourselves about that is so significant when we think about uh, the business results that we want. Because if we tell ourselves, well, I guess I'll just have to wait and ride it out and just hope I survive, that creates certain kinds of emotions, which then leads us to take certain kinds of actions, which predictably delivers certain kinds of results. If instead, 
we say all that all those circumstances are factual. And you know what? Inside every crisis are opportunities, and it's my job to find those. That's your thinking. All of a sudden, the emotions that that creates are uh, maybe excitement, maybe creativity, maybe um, enthusiasm or passion or energy. That's going to lead you to take very, very different actions, which will absolutely and predictably lead to very different business results from the alternative. And that's really what we're talking. That That's what you have access to in using this kind of a thinking model. And I think that as a practical matter, just a tip, and I, I try to remind myself of this, something happens and it's right then that you've got to interrupt your thinking and saying, okay, I have to make a choice about what I'm going to think. And the alternative to the creepy thinking or the, you know, catastrophizing about it is, is to give the other person or the situation the benefit of the doubt. You know, and one way to do that would be to say, well, that person probably wasn't even thinking about, about me at all when they cut me off in traffic or when they were rude to me, you know, and I was standing in line. Or another way to interrupt the thinking is to think, I know everybody else sees that as a problem, but what if there's an opportunity embedded in that, that if I solve would be, you know, benefit me personally, benefit my clients and customers, benefit society at large. I mean, maybe you don't go to those three levels, but at least you could, could talk about how it could be a benefit. That's a different way of thinking about it and a way to challenge your thinking in the moment. And here's what's great. When you challenge yourself, first of all, you said this earlier, but I think we need to just make sure everybody hears us saying this. You're still going to have those kind of uh, disempowering, crappy thoughts come up in your head as probably the first thing that happens for you. That is just called being human. That's just, as I call it, the little lizard in your brain in the back that's all concerned with keeping you safe and making sure you survive. You know, it's, it's just that limbic part of your brain that goes there first. Fortunately, as humans, we have the alternative of, oh, I could also think something else or something different. I don't have to just go with the first option that pops up. There's an, a, there's an alternative. Um, but here's what's really interesting that we haven't talked a lot about yet. When you uh, choose to adopt a more empowering way of thinking after you've sort of been presented with those two options, what's really amazing is that your brain starts to solve for very different actions than the ones that it would solve for in the disempowering model. So all of a sudden, when you think something more empowering and you have a set of more empowering feelings, the solutions that you can come up with are solutions that were not available to you before. They were always out there kind of in, in the world, but you did not have the, um, the cognitive ability to access those kinds of solutions yet because your brain was kind of biased toward them. Once all of a sudden you open your thinking, you start to believe that um, different things are possible. It's kind of like a key that unlocks this black box of what Gap International calls breakthrough thinking and breakthrough actions. And so when you start to have that kind of breakthrough thinking, all of a sudden you get these actions that uh, make themselves visible to you that would take you in a totally different direction. This is where innovation comes from. This is kind of that bullet train thinking, you know, that great story of the bullet train in Japan where they cut the time it, it was going to take in half, um, you know, where they didn't make incremental change. They made kind of quantum leap change. You know, that's what we're talking about here. Those kinds of solutions present themselves to us when we set the stage in our thinking. Okay. So two things I want to say about thinking before we move on to feelings, because feelings are important too. Feelings as Tony Robbins often says, they're the things that drive the bus, but they don't just come out of nowhere. But I want to say a couple things about thinking. First of all, sometimes just writing down your thoughts. You know, uh, Brooke talks about thinking generally appears as sentences in our head. So if we just write down our thoughts, what we're thinking as we're thinking, don't try to clean it up. Don't try to edit it. 
what are the sentences in your head? That's helpful. Number two, and this is easier to do with somebody else or to give permission to other people to do for you, is your language expresses your thinking. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're expressing something that's not empowering, give the people on your team permission to challenge it. You know, that limiting belief, that thing when you say, well, I don't think I could do that. Because there is a real sense in which you could say, well, if you say so. Because if you really believe that thinking, if you really believe that disempowering thought, it kind of has a way of being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, so let's talk about the feelings part, because I think most people think that feelings are something that just happened. You don't have any control if you wake up sad or discouraged or happy and elated that that's just kind of the, the, the deck of cards that you were, you know, the hand that you were delivered that particular day. Now, I want to hasten to say, we're not talking about things like clinical depression, things that have some root other than your thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just a disclaimer there. But our, our feelings don't just come out of nowhere. Usually, if you swim back upstream, there are thoughts, if you deconstruct it, thoughts that create that feeling. And I can prove this to anybody. If I ask you to think about some great loss that you experienced and just dwell on that and try to put yourself in that moment when you experienced it, you will start to feel those negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, Tony Robbins says even further that if you put your body in the posture of one of those disempowering emotions, you will begin to feel the emotion itself. So for example, depression has a certain kind of physiology to it. You know, if I kind of hang my head, if I slump over, if I move slowly, you know, it's it's much more likely that that's going to trigger depressing thoughts. So again, all I'm, all I'm saying is that feelings don't just happen. Usually there's something else that's triggering that, a thought, an experience, an interpretation, something that's experiencing that that feeling. But notice how different we respond to circumstances when we feel empowered. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm feeling confident, if I'm feeling resourceful, if I'm feeling optimistic, that makes me approach problems in a way that that doesn't totally solve them, but it gives me a long, a lo- I get a long way down the road of solving those problems when I have the right thoughts. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think what we're advocating for is saying like, hey, use this model and you'll never have to have any negative feelings again. No, I mean, like we're all human. We have a range of emotions for a reason. It's fine to feel all the emotions. They're not good emotions or bad emotions, you know? So I think that's important to say. However, there are times when it would really be helpful if we felt certain things, right? Like when we're trying to solve a major problem in our business where many of us had to try to figure out how are we going to navigate this health crisis, this economic crisis in a way that our businesses are standing on the other side. That's not a time when any feeling goes. That's a time when we need to be extremely resourceful, when we need to have access to our best and most empowering thinking because there's a lot at stake. So this is really a tool that you can use when there's a lot at stake and you need to to have access to the very best actions and solutions you can. And therefore, you've got to get your feelings in order. And in order to do that, you've got to get your thinking in order. So I think this is this is sort of like a tool for important, high leverage, high stakes situations. You don't have to like, um, you know, we're, we're not trying to say you have to just be happy all the time. That's that's not the point of this. Yeah. And there there may be times that that you want to be sad. Right. You know, if you've experienced a, a legitimate loss it would be silly 
you know, disingenuous to think of, you know, your spouse just died, put on a happy smile. Right. That's the most extreme example. You know, grieving is a part of the process. But I, I, you know, I don't have any problem with that as, as long as people realize that they're choosing that that's an appropriate feeling. That's something they want to feel in that moment. But in other situations and not that extreme, this is often a choice that's based on the thoughts that we've decided we're going to think. Right. Like there are times when that, that would not be helpful, like getting paralyzed in anxiety, for example, when you're the decision maker in your business or your department and everybody's counting on you. That's not a great time to be debilitated by emotions that you don't want, you know. So that's really what we're talking about here. So let's go to actions, because, again, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions. So if you're taking actions that you don't like or you're not taking actions that you know you need to be taking, you're procrastinating. Right. That's also a point where you need to kind of stop, push a pause button and say, "Okay, what am I feeling right now? What am I thinking right now? Mm -hmm. Was there a circumstance that triggered it? And again, the, the point is not just analysis for the sake of analysis, but analysis for the sake of change. How can I look at that action, move it back upstream and say, wait a second, what is the interpretation that needs to change my thinking? How will that impact my feelings so that I can take different actions or just take action? I've, I've noticed that, that many times when I'm procrastinating, you know, there's something I'm feeling right before I, I don't take that action. Well, another way to think about actions is how you show up. You know, how do you uh, show up as a leader? This is something I've really learned in my coaching with Gap International is they talk a lot about how your thinking and then, you know, your feelings uh, would impact how you show up. What actions do you take? How, what's your posture in a room when you're leading a meeting? Are you kind of back on your heels? Are you leaning forward on your toes? Are you confident? Are you resolved? Um, are you hesitant? Those are all the consequence of your thinking and your feeling. And so if you want to have access to um, a better way of showing up, if you want to show up as a leader who's confident, if you want to show up as someone who's decisive, if you want to show up as someone who um, advocates on behalf of others, who uh, is willing to make hard decisions, then you've got to get upstream and leverage your thinking and your feelings to set you up for success. Because sometimes we get really focused when we're coaching other people, like imagine a direct report relationship. And we spend all our time with people talking about, well, I really wish you would have done this or that uh, instead of what you did. Or tell me about your progress on your goals. And, you know, this person is is falling behind or they're not measuring up in some way. And we start talking about what actions they could take. But the real problem is further upstream in their thinking. And so to me, whenever I feel like I have an action problem, either in myself or someone that I'm leading, my instinct now it's to go further upstream and say, what is driving those actions? What feelings and what thinking is driving those actions? And what do we need to shift around and consider um, accessing in a different way so that we can come up with better actions where they're going to show up in their most powerful version of themselves rather than, um, you know, this compromised way? So let me just summarize. Circumstances, thoughts, Feelings, actions, results. That's Brooke Castillo's model. And I think it's enormously helpful as we're trying to create different results in the world. So if you're not getting the results you want, or you want different results than the ones you're getting, it would be really helpful to begin to deconstruct this, go back upstream and ask yourself the question, 
you know, how can I change my thoughts, my feelings, my actions to produce a different recipe that produces a different result? Megan, any final thoughts? Yeah, I feel like um, the big idea here is that results are not random. Results are the consequence of a very predictable chain of events that start with circumstances that lead to thoughts, which lead to feelings, which leads to certain kind of action. And then those actions ultimately deliver the results that you're getting. So the good news is it's not random. The bad news is it's a result of your leadership, right? It's the result of how you're showing up, uh, everything from your thinking all the way down to your actions. But the best news of all is that you can change each of these pieces to deliver better and different results. Well, the ancient writer of Proverbs said it best in Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Mm. Our thoughts have an impact. Megan, thanks for this conversation. Thanks for all of you listening to us. We'll talk to you next time. And until then, lead to win. This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt's Countdown to 2021. Join this exclusive newsletter and free community of like-minded achievers who are committed to turning 2020's disappointments into 2021's greatest successes. Learn more at leadto.win slash countdown.